Hey Juventini, welcome back to the AJC. All right, it is Victory Friday. All right, so Juventus uh, obviously drawing the game, but victory overall in the two-leg tie in Europa League sees us through to the semifinals. We know our opponent will be Sevilla. There is the game to cover. There is everything in the news. We thought we would get uh, the results of the Coney Appeal. Uh, yesterday, we had to wait longer we're going to talk about the results what's to come from that and then everything that's in the news today all right i got omar with me to cover that today omar how you doing man yeah so, so far so good <laughs> so far so good yes yes yeah and a, a nice day but you know italy keeps you on your toes all the time oh yeah absolutely absolutely so this can sum it up for probably a lot Disaster performance, great result. I don't know about the disaster performance, and that's what we'll talk about this game because it had uh, a lot of people feeling different. Even even us in the AJC group chat had us, uh, you know, feeling uh, a couple different ways. We're gonna talk about all of that. Um, Apex saying DV9 is done. Time to drop excuses. This isn't a bad run of form. It's been going on the entire season. Wow. Okay. So we'll definitely talk about that. We'll talk about this match. Uh, Marcial saying, just come on. Juve let's see can Juventus get it done and cross that finish line in the Europa League we're going to tackle that main question as well in the pod today all right so there's definitely a lot to talk about first we're going to get the housekeeping out of the way and that is if you're looking for ways to support the podcast there is multiple we have super chat enabled for those of you here live we have memberships now to our YouTube channel with three different tiers that have different perks for those okay we also have the merchandise you could check out all right and uh one real simple way, share the content, share the content, uh, the great stuff. Especially, I want to thank everybody for uh, reaching out in terms of the Roberto Bettega interview. If you have not checked that out yet, it is available. It is live. Uh, go check it out. Uh, a great Juventino through and through and a great man above all else. All right. So I had a lot of fun interviewing and it's the first of many more to come we have a lot in store for you later on this year last not least if you're tuning in on your audio outlets get over to youtube that is where all the extra content comes into play all right now we do have some news headlines we're not going to tackle the news immediately we're just going to lay out kind of what we're going to talk about after we cover this game all right so cherubini essentially done Losing the appeal. The only one out of Cherubini, Adiva Bene, Paratici, Agnelli, and Nedved so far that's got clearance is Nedved. Okay, so Nedved cleared. The rest will be dealing with. So this essentially sees Cherubini's time done. And this has fans with mixed feelings about the work he's done. We'll talk about that later on. The penalties to Juventus. Juventus for the time being, this is the key, for the time being has uh, received their 15 points back but essentially a penalty will be reformulated and then Juventus can appeal again what we're gathering is that they are going to push to try and get a penalty for this season if Juventus appeals and fights it it's most likely going to take it into the summer um, and sometime around August being when it could be settled so if there are points it's going to be applied 
to the next season. And this is without what comes from the salary maneuver case. All right. Uh, as far as more headlines, and again, we'll tackle this further on later on after we recap the game. Zizou, Zinedine Zidane, we are getting reports today. You'll see that, that he wants Juventus, and Juventus is high up on his list. Regardless of what happens in Europe, we'll talk about Zinedine Zidane and uh, return to Juventus, all right? And then we've got renewal talks for Di Maria that we'll talk about. And as far as Bremer goes... Seen in a live chat here, wrist injury, but right now also getting reports that he will be out for Napoli. So we have to wait for uh, probably some stronger sources on that one, right, Omer? Yeah, about Bremer? Yeah. Yeah, only Monblano gave us, just said that he wouldn't be there for Napoli. I haven't seen any of the major guys post anything yet, so let's keep it calm, I think, if you know, if I play today, I'm not playing in two days. So Napoli out the minute he lay down on the ground, you knew he was out for Napoli at least. Um, but if it's if it would have been something serious, we would have probably heard about it. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I think so too. But we'll we'll get further into it. Let's get to the match, uh, Sporting and Juventus in Portugal. And, uh, yeah, we carried the one nil aggregate lead into it. Interesting enough. I was talking about if anybody yesterday on the show would start Miretti or would just take a break with Fagioli because of what I saw out of, uh, the emotional breakdown at Sassuolo and whatnot. I'm just thinking, He's putting a lot, he's got a lot of weight, like he's carrying way too much. Maybe it's a time for a breather or whatnot. And it was taken a bit, not the way I meant it, which is kind of going at uh, Fajoli. That's not what I, my intention was. My intention was that he's obviously reacting in a certain way to the weight and the pressure, which isn't going to go away. And then you're going into a big game. Nonetheless, to our surprise, starting lineup. Includes Meretti and Fajoli not in there. 4-3-3. Chesney, Quadrado, Danilo, Bremer, Sandro, Rabio, Locatelli, Meretti, Kosic, Di Maria, Vlaovic. Sorry, Chiesa. Your thoughts on that lineup? <coughs> I, I told you earlier uh, in the podcast, keep an eye out for Chiesa. He might start uh, regardless. Look, they posted as three... 5-1-1, there's no way that's 3-5-1-1. That was a 4-2-3 on the pitch yeah. when you saw the lineup. I mean, only only Allegri can play all of these guys together as a 3-5-1-1. That's a 4-3-3. That's what I saw. That's what we saw on the pitch. Uh, the game plan was a bit different. Um, the minute we saw the lineup, we knew what it is, but the game plan was different from the first match and the rest of you know, we had a great run back in February. I'm seeing none of it now. February, March, seems like it's all gone, but we are through, so can't complain too much. Yeah. Um, for me, like I said, it was going to come down to what was Chiesa going to do? Was he going to actually use him as that wing back or slide him forward? And then no. it becomes what are we going to ask of Alexandro? if that's what he wants to do and he wants to play 4-3-3. And, well, that crept up, crept up on a few occasions. And that is my, this. that's what I've been saying the entire time 
about playing in that manner. I just don't see us with the personnel to do so effectively. But we will talk about that as uh, these highlights go through. There's honestly not much to talk about. Juventus got off to a great start. Eight minutes in, it's Rabio pouncing on the ball in the area off a uh, corner uh, corner uh, kick. There you go. Rabio pounces on it. The crazy horse gives us the lead. It's 1-0. It's 2-0 on aggregates. This is exactly how Juventus needs to start. Um, and there's not much more to say this. And it's funny because uh, my prediction was 1-1. Greasy 1-1, and I said Rabio probably get the goal. Why did I start to lean towards Rabio? Well, to be honest, these are the kind of goals this team scores. These are the kind of goals that we have uh, come to based on our play. So I see more goals coming from defenders, midfielders in scrambles like this. Maybe a forward picks one up, but uh, I don't see us playing the kind of ball that... Uh, delivers uh definitely our strikers to be burying a lot and uh the wingers are uh just creative guys 1v1s and have the ball in and whatnot and uh, go from there so for me wasn't very surprising but great start for juventus and then we start to get to what uh, we don't like and uh one of the concerns about going with a four-man backlight sandro starts getting roasted on the flank and in the 19th minute he gets torched he gets torched and the cross comes in it's deflected off the post beyond Chesney comes back out 50 50 bang bang play Rabio a little bit late there but uh, again you can't help but feel it's something that should be somewhat preventable he gets beat very easily on the outside right yeah, that's what I told you before uh, in the pre-match. That's what I said. Watch out. I don't like it because of the matchup of Sandro and Edwards because Edwards going to skin him. He's much faster than him and he has far better dribbling. Sandro wouldn't be able to go help the attack in any way and he's not fast enough to chase him. And you could see in their game plan, they were aiming for Edwards, they were aiming for Sandro. Most of their stuff, especially in the first half, came from our left side and it's understandable if i was their coach i would have probably done the same aim in that direction that's where they're weak yeah and especially with chiesa who's you know not helping the defense as much and so pretty you know predictable yeah it, essentially essentially yeah i mean i would do the same thing as well so they get the pk sporting levels it up one one all to play for. And I'm thinking, geez, we're less than 20 minutes in and my final score has already been hit. So who knows what's the, going on. The funny thing the funny thing is you could have blown the whistle to end the game at that particular moment. And all the same, we'll be talking about the same stuff we're talking about now. Yeah, essentially, um, there wasn't a whole lot in it. 34th minute, uh, Diamonde had a header just wide of the back post. Poor cover. I, I don't like how we zone up so much no. on set pieces and defending those i absolutely hate it find your mark stay on them that's it um a lot of free headers uh lately on set pieces there's another one uh fortunate for us goes wide ultimately we hit halftime that's really it for chances and whatnot and anything going on there's a lot of 
attacking scenarios and whatnot with really no, no substance to it uh, in the end uh, result. You get halftime. We come out half. 55th minute. Di Maria strips the ball. Sends Cuadrado. And Cuadrado was ripping on this. Like he ran in. There was another player up ahead and he just blew right by him. Uh, Di Maria sends him in. <clears throat> the end cross. Vlaovic is sitting there to tap this home. But the cross. Like Vlaovic is getting attacked for this by some. That cross was all, it had so much weight, always rising. It was a bullet. I, I'm not upset with Vlaovic for not directing that thing in the goal. It was like just a little touch there, and he puts that thing home. But uh, it's rocketed, Adam, and it's always uh, rising. How did you feel? You feel he needs to. I saw some saying he's never ready. I just think that was a lot to deal with. Yeah, it's short distance between the both of them. Not a lot of time to actually react and position yourself. Uh, if he was, you know, half a step back, uh, then that's perfect for him and he gets his header right on target. But he was a bit too far ahead. Quadrado was too close, too much power on the cross. And I mean, that's what mainly what Quadrado lost, his ability to direct those balls to the right people. That's why he doesn't uh, assist as much as he did before. And um, wasn't a clear-cut chance that every striker would put in the net. Some might, but some won't, and Dusan didn't. Yeah. It wasn't surprising, to be honest. <clears throat> I know, and everybody's, you know, saying, well, he could have got prepared, he could have backed up, could have taken a step back. Well, that's the thing, is uh, everything's happening quick. Bang, bang, and uh, hindsight's uh, twenty twenty. but a little touch there is all it takes for that to be uh, a goal. And then uh, we comfortably, comfortably seal it. Nonetheless, this is where we're at offensively, everybody. The execution, the sharpness, it's just not there. It just Aimless is crosses. not there. And Aimless crosses. That's what I see most of the time. Crosses just generally into the area. No yeah. one specific, not towards someone's run or uh, anyone who's making any movement or the back post. Just... Crossing to the center and hoping someone will be there. That's that's our main problem in our yeah. game, in our attacking gameplay. If we are playing crossing games, at least work on that. Yeah. Now, as far as the game continuing on, and here we go. We'll go seventy uh, second minute. Bremer ends up having to come out. We make a number of substitutions, but Bremer has to come out, and uh, he's injured. Obviously, again, like we said today. Um, hearing some good things, but potentially out, uh, most likely out for uh, Napoli. We'll have to wait and see till some of the bigger guys come in there. But Gatti steps in. Two minutes after that, Danilo misses a ball like completely, and Sporting comes in free on goal. I thought this was probably going to be the moment that they strike and uh, equalize. Fortunately for us, the shot uh, sails high of uh, Tech's goal, and uh, we get away from that one. Really, ultimately. 87th minute is when uh, it comes uh, down to it. And uh, Edwards makes a nice run in deep. Again, always that side for Juve. Always the left side. That Sporting just took advantage of time and time again. Anytime they got a sniff of anything. And this was another one. Deep cross. Coates was alone and thankfully could not keep that thing down. And the game ends, all right? And there you have it. 1-1 draw. 
and we get through into the semifinals and we know we are going to play Sevilla who has become like the Real Madrid of this competition okay uh so it's going to be a tough match before getting into Sevilla this game overall as a whole after the first half there was a lot of frustrations from Juventus just saying so disgusted in our play and everything like that I didn't necessarily feel that way in the first half outside of our attack it's been the same story for me for a long time with this team and it's our attack outside of that I didn't really have a problem I thought it was pretty business uh, business like our approach I thought uh, the energy level was good I just think this team continues to not understand what to do and when to do it in the attack I'll get into more details of it but First, I want to hear your kind of overall thoughts on uh, the first half for, and then second half and game overall. Well, the first half, I mean, I'm glad we got the early goal uh, on one hand. On the other hand, I knew it meant we are going to drop down until we concede. And maybe luckily for us, it was also early in the match. Um, and you just ran through it. Not a lot to talk about. I mean, some of the old habits we used to seeing. Quadrado blasting forward and then having a shot from God knows where that, you know, few chances it goes in. Sandro getting skinned, on the other hand. Rabio doing great work in midfield. Lucatelli, just such a difference when he's playing. Attack doesn't know what to do the minute they have space and they're on the front foot and they're on the opposition's box. They just have no idea what to do. Everyone just standing, waiting for some sort of a pass. Pogba with a few more minutes. Uh, I thought Chiesa was relatively good. Again, the same problems. Everyone is too far away from each other to have any... Everyone who gets the ball, anyone has to run 30 meters in order to be next to someone in attack. And I can't say I enjoyed the game. I mean, it wasn't a game, you know, filled with chances and almost there and almost here. It was mainly momentarily scares of, from Benfica and from Sporting. I didn't want them to get the goal because then Juve usually crumble. So they held their own and fine. We're on to the next round. I feel like some of the more attacking teams find it difficult against Juve because um, they, they had a blast against uh, Arsenal. Against Arsenal, they were everywhere. They were attacking because they had tons of spaces, which might work in our benefit. It will be interesting against Sevilla and maybe Leverkusen if we meet them later on. Um, but not an enjoyable game. I, I, I'm happy we're through. I didn't enjoy the match at all. Yeah, I, I, I would ha tend to agree. I mean, from uh, an enjoyable standpoint, uh, no. But if I was to uh, rate our games on uh, the levels of enjoyment, uh, it'd be, uh, yeah, few and far between. Now, <clears throat> let's get to man of the match before I kind of break what I see as some problems and whatnot, okay? I want to remind everybody, please take a second, like the video while you're in here, all right? Um, Omar, who was your man of the match? Well, they didn't even think of that. I don't. For think me, I'm going to end up going with probably Juan Cuadrado. Um, I think he had a strong game. Um, I could think of a couple moments where I was frustrated with his decisions. Uh, one in the offensive phase, uh, 
couple in the offense phase, but overall, he uh, he hasn't looked like that for uh, a long time. I don't expect it to continue um, or to him be at uh, that level or whatnot, but I think that was the strongest Quadrado we've seen probably, arguably, this this year. Um, I think he put in a solid shift, so I, I'd go with Juan Quadrado. I think it's just, you know, I can't find anyone who was actually who actually excelled above everyone else because if they were good at something, they were bad at something else. Quadrado defensively, he was pretty solid. Definitely yeah. more solid than Sandro. But when we were attacking, he was horrible. Again, the same bad decision-making. I think Rabio's I a good Rabio. shout, too. Yeah, I, I, I'll probably give it to Rabio with yeah. the goal. That basically got us through, so shout-outs to Rabio. And yeah. that's about it. Not a lot to point out. Now let's get into the 4-3-3 because this has been a topic ongoing for a while, um, is the 4-3-3. Do we need to shift to it? Do we need to move to it? I think that the obvious concern was glaring uh, yesterday and staring us dead in the face, and that is just the fullback play. Um, Sandro can't do it. Sandro can't do it. Mm-hmm. And even if you want to go with the back line of Quadrado and Danilo as your outsides, Gatti and Bremer inside, <clears throat> Danilo specifically says he does not like the left side as a fullback. Now you're taking a side that's a that's weak with an actual left back and you're putting a guy that can cover at that role doesn't like it. Dechilio is for me Dechilio is the same whether he's on the left side or he's on the right side or whatever it's just plain Jane that's it you're never going to get I don't see him as a nowhere near a modern style fullback it would be a fullback that is just to stay at home and the rest has to go there continues to be shouts at Kostic at left back Yesterday, I saw exactly why I personally would not put him at left back. He's not... Defensively, it's just not good. It's just not good defensively. And when he gets deep in our territory, more often than not, his decisions with where he's trying to clear, what he's trying to do, I don't like him. I don't like that option. It's a problem. I would like to see us move to the 4-3-3 in order to try and help the offense if we think we can help the offense that way. But I'm going to be honest with everybody. What I'm about to say, it it bothers me and it doesn't have anything to do with the 4-3-3 or the 3-5-1-1. What I believe is the main issue here is Juve just doesn't play with enough conviction in attack. And what I mean by that, and this was evident yesterday, when you have player roles specifically and you design. So right now there's this ongoing thing where on social media you'll see people grabbing quotes from a lot of the top coaches all around the world and they'll lay them out there for you and it'll say, oh, I offer freedom in the final third. These players need to work their creativity. That's great. But... You can't look at some of those top sides out there and tell me that there's not a drastic difference 
in off-the-ball movement. When you watch Juventus and you watch any of the top clubs or not even take don't even take the top clubs into consideration just look at a team that plays good solid football and you'll see the off the ball movement for Juventus and yesterday I saw it endless amounts of time I've seen it all this season we've talked about off the ball movement a lot what you're seeing is yesterday when Chiesa would get the ball sometimes Di Maria Cuadrado a lot they do their part in terms of bringing in that extra defender. The second that extra defender has come in, that means there is a space. That means there is a space there for someone else to exploit, to take advantage of, to do. Now, we simply don't make the moves. We have a striker that is standing there in the area, does not care that now all of a sudden, Another center back has been drawn over to Chiesa. Doesn't go anywhere. Stands on the spot. Midfielders. Where are our midfielders? Rushing into that space. No, our midfielders are hanging back to make sure everything is stable. It doesn't work. We're only doing half of the work. We are getting the ball. We are drawing the extra defender. But from that point on in the final third, it all stops. And we all stand there and we all watch. Now, if we want to attack players and we want to talk about they're not doing enough there, at the end of the day, the coach is very much involved in that because there's no way you can watch this tape of Juventus playing. And we are deep into April here and not pick up on that and not want to change it. But it is a major issue. And this is the same whether it's 3-5-1-1 or you play 4-3-3, you could play 4-2-3-1, you could play whatever the hell you want. We don't commit enough into the attack and we're only doing half of the battle. There's way too much standing around and watching certain guys on the ball. And that is why we settle to cross it in. It's yeah. clear as day for me. So the discussion about formation for me has almost become irrelevant until we put together the rest of the missing puzzle pieces. Omar, how do you feel about what yeah, I'm saying? I, I, I tend to agree. I think we don't know exactly what we want from ourselves. Not us, but the team in general, you know, in our tactics, where do we want to go through, uh, through, through the middle or through the flanks and we kind of get drawn to the flanks because there isn't enough happening in the middle so we we're sort of forced to oh, always cross now when we play the 3-5-2 and then Di Maria is a bit more central then we have a central game and there is cover for the flanks so both Quadrado and Kostic can go up but I feel like it's you know one area is affecting the other the midfield can join because the back line is too far back, it's not pushing forward, so they have to stay because there's a lot of room in there for uh, counterattacks. So they stay back, so there's no one in the middle, so we get drawn to the flanks, then we cross, we have one guy in the center, the, uh, the other two attackers are not good in the air, not Di Maria and not Chiesa. Uh, they're better in tight spaces, but even when they you know break free and have a chance to run a bit, eventually they have to pass it to someone. Keep expecting that they'll make it all the way to the goal and score like Rafael Leao does. And just, it's not going to happen. So there's just a 
I don't know if it's Allegri, I don't know if it's the players, but I don't think we have a set system of how we want to attack. When you watch Sporting, they knew exactly where they want to go. They kept pushing there, they kept overloading Sandro's side and then Quadrado's side, and everyone was joining. When you watch Atalanta play, they have two midfielders, but there's always someone, you know, in different areas of the pitch, in the area and outside the area and waiting for the rebound and someone on the flank to cover, and we don't have that. Our players are sort of rooted to their spots and they're not doing anything beyond that, which is good defensively, I guess. That's what the stats show. Uh, but we can build on that, in my opinion. Eventually, we'll have to score. And finals, if we do make it to the finals, finals don't usually go with one goal. They sometimes do, but most of the time, there's more than one goal. And we need to score more to win titles. That's just it. And this is where we come to now. The perfect segue, all right, is... Sevilla now on deck. We saw earlier in the chat uh, the mixed reviews. You have a lot of fans that are weary of Sevilla. And you have uh, some that uh, are not too impressed because of them getting through Man U. And people think of that Man U was, uh, yeah, going to get bounced by that. I figured Sevilla would see it through. Um, a lot of people were saying Man U and Juve semifinal. I said I would never write Sevilla off in this competition. One of those dangerous teams that they become in the Europa League one, but for me, um, <clears throat> Sevilla. How do how do we feel about this one? So the games are going to be May 11th and May 18th. We start off at home, and that is going to be crucial to get a very very good start in that tie for sure. But uh, Omar, how do you feel about us uh, lining up against uh, Sevilla? I don't know. It's a weird one because they, they're having a very bad season in their league. They're conceding more than they're scoring. I think they conceded 44 and scored 35. They're 13th, same as Nantes when we played them. So they're not having a good season. And to be honest, I mean, Man United were missing a lot of players, especially their two central defenders. So they have to play Lindelof and Maguire. One of the goals came directly from a Maguire mistake. Uh, two own goals in the previous match. I think they were a bit lucky here and took advantage in the right way from Man United missing tons of first-team players. Um, so I don't know what to make of them this season, to be honest. Because it is their you know, tournament. They're known for it, they understand it, and they're not playing for anything in the league. They're not in danger of relegation, but they're not going to make it into Europe through the league table. I don't know. I don't know what to make of them. I think we'll win. I think we're all going to win, but uh, it's going to be a different match than we're used to seeing. I this is probably one of the most accurate uh, statements you can probably make going into that matchup. I'm worried about Juve beating Juve. So <clears throat> this is uh, very, very accurate in terms of uh, how I felt a lot of the times going into uh, matchups and whatnot. This poses a very, very a tricky scenario for Juventus because Sevilla can hurt you in bunches out of nowhere. Like they're they're a little bit wild in that sense. And we saw them do it to uh, Man U. Like the team is fully capable of smelling blood and then pouncing. Like... Juve can't do that. We don't do that. 
So Sevilla is yeah. very capable of that. What concerns me about that, number one is, has we have we reached the point where we absolutely have to score more goals in order to get by Sevilla? I truly do believe our attack has to be, has to be much better than what it has been now to get by Sevilla. I, I truly do believe that. I don't think the way we've been playing to get to this point or whatnot, I think the reality is this could be where it ends for Juventus if we don't sharpen up in the final third. I don't know if we'll be able to hang on enough. And I don't think it's how we should approach Sevilla. Because I think we would put ourselves in danger by trying to do so. Well, it is worth noting that, uh, first of all, once again, the first game is at home and then away. I don't know why, but all of our games in Europa League were like that. And we do play Cremonese between the two matches and Empoli after the matches, Atalanta before the first match. Uh, so in the league, like we can play our subs and it's a different story to what we're, we have now where we have Napoli and Inter and everything that goes on in April. Um, so that might be an advantage for us. We have to see where we stand in the league by that point. Are we clear in top four? Are we battling to stay in top four? Interesting. Um, I think it's going to be better than the rest of the matches we saw because I think it's a good matchup, Juve and Sevilla, in that tournament. Yeah, it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting. But like I say, I uh, do we do we have enough? to get through like i look at this team i still say even talking about some of the highlights and trying to play a back four and everything and some of the weaknesses it poses and everything it's it's all remains the same for me with this club the last piece of the puzzle and this stands for anything three five two four three three whatever it comes down to the attack i believe can we do it absolutely but the final third, we we have to play with conviction. We have to get after it. If you don't get after it against Sevilla, I think we're I think we're gonna be uh, in trouble and might require a little more fortune rather than our own doing to uh, to get by them. Uh, we, we're gonna I have do, to commit. But I do think we can. We need to play to our uh, strength at the moment, and at the moment our strengths are set pieces we are better at them so and take the pressure off the attack a bit and tell them to hold the ball more and try to you know pull to the sides get more corners get more fouls around the area because i mean they had like five when we had one yesterday five corners because they keep pushing and keep trying and just didn't convert but you would do convert those chances so our top scorers right now are guys from the midfield our top performers are defensive guys Aim for those guys who have things going for them right now. Keep the pressure off Dushan and off Milik and off Chiesa. And suddenly when they're not the focal point, maybe it will be better for them too. Maybe it won't, but if I'm Allegri right now, I'm playing for set pieces. That, yeah. That's our way. Let's, so let's talk about this. Juve winning the whole thing. If you had to put a confidence percentage on this, where are you at? 
doable. Uh, right now, I'll go with, let's say, 60, 65%. Um, let's see what's going on with injuries and everything. I mean, Bremer, if it is a long injury, that's a massive blow. Yeah. And um, so right now, at our current state, 65%. I don't know who I prefer, either Roma or Leverkusen. Haven't made up my mind. But I feel fine with it. 65%. I feel good with that percent. I'm going to be at about 70 to 75%. And that might surprise people. And the reason is because, again, the offense, sports in general are funny. Football is even funnier. An offense can all of a sudden light up and spark and all of a sudden get ripping just like that. So while we could talk about frustrations that were in late uh, April and whatnot and still not firing on all cylinders, um, all the criticisms of guys like Dushan, even Di Maria facing some criticisms and uh, Chiesa facing a little bit yesterday that I saw as well, um, it can pick up and it could light like that. And the second that it ignites, anything can happen. And while we all feel a certain way, the games are played for a reason. And again, it starts at home, which is another positive. So let's just wait and see. But yeah, right now, uh, all thoughts uh, and all eyes will be with Bremer to make sure that he is all right. I see some Storm in the Barn questions come in. You guys feel free to drop them whenever you want. Reminder, like the video while you are here, please. We are going to get into uh, some of the news headlines <clears throat> and everything in the aftermath. Di Maria. As we were talking about an offense and striking and whatnot, he is a piece of uh, the news headlines today, and that's essentially um, getting into uh, contract renewals. <clears throat> Di Maria, I have the same discussion over and over and over with uh, a friend of the show and channels that uh, just continues to say, why would we bother renewing Di Maria Wants to renew Juan Cuadrado um, and always talks about Juan Cuadrado's performances. And for me, it's just, it's done. It's over, whether he has a good game or not, because it's time to move on. Um, Sandro, Cuadrado, DeChilio, uh, Rugani, you could probably add to that list. Rugani, I'd probably feel a little bit okay keeping if we can keep the rest rolling. Like, I think Benucci has become the guy that's, least valuable almost at center back yeah and i think he's fine with it he looks fine i mean he's out there on the bench being sort of a bench captain he he's the only one in the roster who has the courage to talk to allegri during games when he's super angry and and i don't see him complaining i don't see him even warming up to get subbed in i i don't know i get a feeling that he's fine with his role right now and Obviously not renew him, but if there is any chance to sell him, one million, two million, go for it. Yeah, yeah. We have, we have players to fill that role of fifth or center back. But yeah, I, I can't help but feel like uh, Bonucci is. Uh, yeah, he's the guy that is probably the bottom of the totem pole when it comes to to playing. But who knows? Who knows? So Di Maria, would you renew? Yeah. 
first of all, money-wise, because contract for another year, he gets the benefits of the Italian the growth stuff decree, that yeah. they do. Yeah, the growth decree. And I, it doesn't seem like he's, you know, someone who's demanding first-team plays and, you know, always being there when he's available. I think he's fine with playing here, playing there, but not always. And he's still a brilliant player. He's still, you know, not what he used to be, but he's still world-class and better than most of our attackers that we have right now. So, yeah, that's an easy yes, to be honest. For one more mm. year, for me, yeah, <clears throat> um, I don't see a problem with it because there's other areas we have to, have to get stronger in. That's going to be fullbacks, potentially center back scenario you got to deal with. Now, I remind everybody, the last time Romeo Gresti was on, after our first leg against Sporting, he said, I asked him specifically, what do you expect out of this Mercado? Because I can already see it coming a mile away that it's going to be weak. And he said, yeah, he feels in Italy in general, it will be a very, very soft and weak Mercado come the summer. So don't expect... Uh, wholesale moves or like a big big roster changes but uh just being methodical in who they bring in and what they do we have certain scenarios that are still creeping up like the alexandro um renewal and everything like that that we're gonna have to take into consideration so this move and everything is still a little bit ways down the road before before we see a full cleanup so guys like quadrado quadrado is expected to leave at season's end and those that want him to remain again you just can't like you have to keep refreshing things you you have to keep moving forward the longer that we wait the harder it is but di maria and this is the thing goes back for those that don't want him potentially to be renewed or stay or anything like that He's still, our offense as a whole, I don't see anybody thriving. So it's really hard for me. And I see like comments about uh, Dusan Vlaovic and how poor he is and we have to sell and everything like that. There's nobody thriving in this offense, everybody. Nobody. And again, Di Maria gets the ball. I, I said this, This you can watch the replay yesterday. Watch how many times it happens. He gets the ball. Here comes the double team, sometimes a triple team. No options. Who's running into the space that that opens up? Three players. But he's able to keep it. But he is and able to keep He's able to retain possession. Many other guys on the team are not. But Chiesa, Chiesa brings in the double team. Who's attacking the space? Nobody. Quadrado, Quadrado brings in three guys. He's he loses it sometimes, quite often, but there's no movement. So I'm really hard on just trying to crucify these guys again when there's the rest isn't happening. We're only doing half the job. Di Maria, I feel the same. He spent a lot of this time playing as this trequartista, which he isn't. In some games, it looks great, and he can do it. He's capable of doing it. He's a world-class player, but ultimately, he's not. He is a winger through and through. He's also a guy who shines when the focus is not on him. When he's, you know, this unknown, when he has Messi in the team, 
then suddenly Di Maria becomes the guy who shines and picks it up when it's important. Yes. And so now, right now, being the main focal guy, they always close him down. Until recently, he had almost no one to play with. And like you said, no movements. Uh, when he is playing uh, as a right winger in recent games, no one is near him. It is complicated, but I don't feel it's mainly due to him. Sometimes he tries too much, but you know, at least he tries and doesn't always pass back, which I can appreciate to some degree. I give, I give credit to Miretti because he was making good runs. He was. And more often than not, there's quite a few guys on the ball who aren't taking the opportunities to try and play that ball in there. If we could have got any type of continuity out of a guy like Pogba, because nobody in our midfield, while we have good players in our midfield, nobody in our midfield draws that attention. There's one guy that does, and that's Paul Pogba. Paul Pogba has not been able to enter games right now until we are at a point of trying to just protect them. Paul Pogba can draw the extra attention when he's on the ball. That will open up. That will open up Chiesa. That will open up Di Maria. And that should help Dusan Vlaovic. Should but the rest needs to be put together. Again, there's a lot of variables that have to come into this, but it all ultimately, we all seem to feel the same way. It's got to come down to the offense. The offense has got to pick it up for us to go and make this run. But is it doable? Absolutely. And once the offense well, lights, it can go like that. Well, that's that's the problem. I mean, it's sort of, it's more tactics issue, but I don't see them like, trying too hard even when all the subs came in and allegri made attacking subs putting milik in putting pogba in keeping both di maria and Chiesa on the field that's an attacking side with all of our attacking powers but they defended since they came on they defended for the rest of the 20 minutes so that's all i mean our attack doesn't score because when all of our attacking players are in they defend and that, that's an issue. I mean, I can't blame them too much for that. Pogba got the ball where? Anywhere near the area? Anywhere near? Or someone next to him to make a smart pass? Someone running in? Nothing. Yeah. I can't blame them too much. We defend for most of the match, so not a lot to do for the attack. Yeah. And we are bad at counterattacks. Yeah, it's going to be uh, interesting to see what, uh, what happens with this Juventus. I mean... Uh... Ultimately, uh, there was a point in the season, okay, where we would have never saw us at this point, okay? We're third in the table, couple points out of second place. We're in the semis of the Europa League and whatnot, and my God, what was it, October or whatever, and we're losing to Monza and everybody wants Max Con immediately and whatnot. So it's okay to be happy. We're happy we're here. We've got an opportunity but that next step has to come at some point. And yeah. my thoughts on Max Allegri would not have always remained the same. And they remain the same now. Your key guys have to be your key guys. You have to figure out how to do that. He's still got uh, work to do. And I think that the jury's still out on whether or not we should move on with them so far at this point. 
winning a trophy. Winning a trophy isn't even enough. If he wins the Europa League, there are some saying, absolutely, he should stay. For me, we've already gotten rid of coaches that were winning trophies. So for me, it's not enough because your key guys have to be happy. They have to be firing. They have to be your key guys. You've got to progress. And I think our progression has stalled. I think we hit a point. We made progress, but now it's stalled. Anywhere I've been occupationally and whatever, you never want to stall out. You need to always be striving to continue to grow, continue to build, continue to progress. Otherwise, what are we doing? So, again, even with winning Europa League or not, for me, it wouldn't be enough. Would it be enough for you, Omer? No. No, I I genuinely think I... Okay, I will thank Max and he has done something that not a lot would do and it's admirable and you know kudos to him for sticking around and trying to steer this ship back into its main course but I do feel we need to take that one more step forward if we if we want to aim for what we used to aim for the Champions League and titles and competing on three fronts every season and we need to take another step forward if we are fine with Europa League and the occasional Coppa Italia, fine, keep Max, what can I say? Yeah. But to say I'm enjoying what I'm seeing from, you know, maybe January till the end of, uh, till the international break, yeah. The international break kind of killed us, took us off our momentum. Then we had that brutal April we're having right now. And so, you know, it was kind of... You could expect that, that we'll have a drop-off at some point in one of these months. And the international break was the catalyst for it. Yeah. Now, news headlines. We're going to get to this. Storm the Barn questions. You guys are pumping a bunch in there. Some of them will come up naturally in some of the news headlines. Uh, Cherubini essentially uh, done after losing uh, the appeal. Obviously, we know um, the only one to get cleared out of Vanelli, Paratici, Arriva Bene, Cherubini and Nedved was Pavel Nedved, okay? So the others still face him. This essentially ends Cherubini's uh, time. Now, Cherubini, one of the major, major catalysts in the work done with Juve Next Gen. But a lot of fans, fine with it, saying good. Never liked the work he did. How do you feel about uh, Cherubini's work? We're just going to keep it in the work he's done, Omar, real briefly. Yeah, I think he's kind of similar to Paratici. Um, to some degree, he's been very good at what he did. Not so much, you know, taking the next step and progressing in the ranking. Um, so I would keep him with the U23 because he's obviously done a good job there. And But... The sporting director is a bit, you know, he's out of his depth here. And that's a fair assessment, while at the same time, I also feel it might be a little bit harsh. And the reason is, is because the the main goal for him, I believe, and I thought he did, well, it's the proof is in the numbers. He did an incredible job of cleaning things up. And I think he made some good pickups and some good moves while seemingly almost handcuffed, all right, 
Um, so I think he did a good job in terms of what the goal was of the club, and that was cleaning things up. Our wages have been cleaned up drastically. There's still cleanup that needs to be done. But uh, a lot yeah. of cleanup was done. The work he's done with Next Year, it's great. But a sporting director, I would have been intrigued to see him do it when he can actually get after the moves he wants to do and what and not be so restricted restricted to automatic renewals restricted to um players that aren't even assets that uh have little to no value that no other clubs are really interested in i would have liked to see him at that to really see what he could be doing but ultimately but yeah then, a sporting director yeah. one that's uh you know um has got the experience and everything coming in. Sure, that's great. Uh, nobody's going to say no. Um, it's time. But I think ultimately, I think it's a little harsh to say he didn't do a good job. I think he did do no. a, a good job, all things considered. I'm not saying he didn't do a good job. Obviously, he's, you know, one of the guys who's still being investigated, which could be bad for you at the moment. And he was dealt a very tough hand. Because um, when Parat, it's not a comparison to Paratici, because Paratici got a squad that was winning everything, uh, um, an organization who has money to spend and is doing great, and he sort of ran it to the ground. Um, Cherubini wasn't all that good. I mean, he didn't get the same status to start with. Um, he got a club with no money, automatic renewals, everything you just mentioned. Uh, after the Super League stuff, dealing with UEFA, COVID. I mean, everything around it is not to his benefit. Yeah. I know. I th I, but I still feel I need someone there to hold his hand and help guide him through. Because if we are going through a rebuild, I feel like we need someone more experienced in the market to do that. Someone who has more connections. And Rubini is at his, you know, at his beginning of his sporting directing career. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. It's all fair. Now... Penalization. Points have returned for the time being. Obviously, they're going to reformulate in the, the smaller court. It's uh, been referred back to Court of Appeals. <clears throat> From Court of Appeals, sorry. Been referred back. They're going to reformulate a penalty somewhere around six to nine points. Juve is going to have to appeal that probably going into the summer. But the prosecution is going to push to get penalty points involved in this campaign. <clears throat> if it's six or nine points, the, the thing that's interesting here that everybody's got to keep in mind is what's actually happening now is you have a pissing match between the prosecution and Juventus. And the reason it's become a pissing match over these points and why it's critical, why some might say six points, yeah, just take it because you'll probably still be in top four and then we can move on. No, no. Because now it's become a pissing match in terms of setting a precedent for that salary maneuver case. Because that is going to be key. And should Juventus win this appeal, should they be able to get these points revoked, they would have a precedent set that they could use in their defense to the salary case. And it's, it's very, very crucial. And they're not going to give up that fight. Fully expect a point penalty of around six to nine points coming back and then Juventus appealing it'll take it into August 
Um, that's what I totally uh, think is going to happen. So um, I said it yesterday. I'll say it again. It's an absolute joke because um, you have so quick. They were so quick to fire out these penalties. Okay. And now it's been nothing but drawn out joke. And the whole thing for me, like we said yesterday, there is no rule on what you value a player at. Absolutely no rule. So this case has zero legs to stand on. So whether we get off with zero points and a fine, like Anthony says here, is still a precedence. You can't accept that either. They have to fight this the whole way through. Absolutely no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Period. They have yeah. to. Yeah, and maybe the way it's handled now is what should have happened back in January. They should have said, okay, we see the case here, still no basis for uh, penalizing with point deduction and stuff. We'll wait until the end of the season, May, June, whatever, and then... What, whatever is going to happen next is what should have happened in the beginning. The, that knee-jerk reaction of minus 15 threw all the, all the league into a loop. And now other clubs are complaining that Juve got the 15 points back as if it's Juve's fault they got uh, the deduction in mid-January. Um, what will happen, we'll see. I hope that when the trial restarts, they'll draw in the, the other clubs were involved with you, but that's the big question mark. Where are all the other clubs and why are they not in the trial? Why are they not defending themselves? They don't need to. And yeah. that's ridiculous because it became solely a witch hunt to take points of Juve and everyone else has nothing to do with it. That's kind of the feeling we, I have right now. Yeah. So June 30th is the date by which FIGC has to confirm teams to UEFA were taking part in European competitions. Um, this... Ultimately, if UEFA decides, it just goes to the next team. We know how this would work out in a scenario. It doesn't really ultimately mean anything because even if the penalties would come afterwards, they would just take the next team up and they would alter the standings uh, accordingly to what the penalties are. Latest reports should be wrapped up by June 30th unless Juventus appeals, then takes it into August is what uh, and Juve will appeal. This could go into August. It was the latest that I've seen. So either way, buckle up, buckle up now. Um, and this is just it. Sweaty. Why should Juve accept any sort of punishment at all? If they no, they shouldn't. They shouldn't accept. Again, I'm waiting for an official rule that has been broken when it comes to uh, capital gains uh, and plus valenza. So uh, yeah. Uh, I don't see anything. Now, we're going to get to, uh, obviously, Storm the Barn and whatnot. And this is also a headline that's come out today in terms of Zidane. And Bikranjit has here fresh rumors of Zidane, manager next season. How true and whatnot. Sal coming in here with the Storm the Barn, uh, maybe to Zidane. Does that change if Dushan stays? So we have a couple regarding um, Zidane. We're going to start with Bikramjit and that uh, how true... <clears throat> I will wait for some of the top guns before being able to see how true it was not. But, I mean, his name's been lurking for quite some time. Um, it does seem as though the national team thing isn't going to be happening quite yet. So maybe that picks things up a bit more. But 
let's just talk about how we would feel about Zidane coming into this job because I've been pretty vocal about it for a while that I have my doubts, to be honest, because I've only really seen him with that incredible squad that I literally feel I could succeed at with at Real. But uh, Omer, how do you feel about Zidane? Well, just to point out, it was reported by RMC Sports, which are is a French newspaper or website. And there might be the French Gazeta. They might be the French Agresti, for all I know. So I don't know how credible the report is. But you know, taking Zidane, knowing everything about him, means he's taking charge of the project. And a project is you know, for long term, and no one is expecting trophies immediately if you think Zidane will get us after one season to a Champions League final I'm sorry but it's not going to happen in my opinion but I am willing to take that risk with Zidane I think he wants to challenge himself a bit more and not aim you know for a top club just you know stepping in in Bayern or or City or anyone and just you know aiming for the Champions League again and I'm willing to walk that route with Zidane a lot of the other managers that we that their names popped up are basically the same. I mean, take Dionysi, it's the same. Um, and to be honest, to what other managers, you know, top-tier managers who guarantee immediate success are out there and affordable for Juve. Because even Conte right now is not affordable. If he wants to coach anywhere in Italy, he has to drop his salary a lot. And when he comes in, he wants money spent. He, he needs a big budget succeed otherwise he goes on all his uh, antics that he does so Zidane I feel like I I'm fine with it no problem with Zidane testing himself at Juve in like lower tier level my thoughts are I think he's a man manager and I don't think it's what Juve really need at the moment we all love his name we love obviously I mean I'm a 90s kid and Man, he made his name at Juve, whatever. I would love it. And I think one day it will be the right time. Right now, though, this team needs a coach. They need direction. They need... I, I don't think he's that guy. Again, after seeing him with Real Madrid there, I think all he had to do was man-manage. So I don't know if he's capable of being the one to say, like, this is what we need to be doing here and here and here. Like, I don't think he's that guy. I think he's, he's in some sense, similar to Max Allegri in terms of a, a good, strong man manager and manager of personalities. But I don't know if he's going to be the guy to instruct and direct the young, young talent into I what they need to do. Is. I actually think he is because his history with uh, Real Madrid's B team that's what got him the Real Madrid job at the first place. I think he's sort of admired by other players, even the big players. When Zidane talks, you listen because he's been through it all. Uh, and that's what got Real Madrid uh, the, those Champions League because he, he was the one who could tell Ronaldo, listen, if you want to be there, you need to rest. No other manager dared to do it. And Ronaldo listened and it benefited him. So... I do think we need a good But that's man a manager. that's a man management example though. Yeah, and I won it and it did play good football. I mean, his team was enjoyable to watch. Um 
So I, we can't know, right? Well, that's just we can't it. Actually, we, know. we that's just it. We don't know, and it's it's going to be an unknown. But for me, I I don't I question whether he's the guy for this point in time. I think there are some other candidates that have a bit of more more of a, a sense of style like i what's zidane's playing style you can't gauge it off anything that he's done prior because i think he's leaning towards the players which again for me feels very similar to max allegri um i don't i mean managers are are a surprise pack you never know what you're going to get like when Conte came in, he was only managing Atalanta and Barry, and no one expected anything of him. When Allegri came, no one wanted him the first time. When he came back, a lot of people wanted him, and here we are. So managers could go either way. I mean, there's, there's really no telling what effect the manager would have on a certain team. You can if you get Guardiola, but that's out of our budget. Klopp is think... out of our budget. I don't know, though, because I think you can. Because, I mean, if we look at uh, even Pirlo, this is a guy that took his first job at Juve. He said what he wanted to do, and you could see it. You could see what he wanted to do. Did it have its shortcomings? Yes, of course. But you could see what he wanted to do. I want to control the play. I want to be on the ball. I want us to attack in numbers. They did all that. They did everything he laid out. Like, for me, whether, like, coaches you should be able to identify what they are going to do, what they want. I don't see from Zidane what he's going to want to do or what he's going to direct. I think for him, it's going to be, if he was to walk in, I think it's, okay, 4-3-3. I want these guys here. Let's go. And I'm going to man-manage. But I don't think that's what we need right now. I don't think he's going to offer exactly that. I mean, because he's not a big talker. Uh, Pirlo didn't intend even on going, you know, managing Juve immediately. Um, so we talk about his thesis and stuff uh, beforehand. But I, I, first of all, I think it was a mistake. Now, in hindsight, I think it was a mistake to suck him. I think it would have been better if we let him improve, you know, in our home. But I don't think you can say... 100% you know what Zidane is going to bring to Juve and that's it and he can't bring anything more yeah. he might not but he might I just, yeah, I, were missing. I'm really on the fence when it comes to Zidane just for right now that's all but uh, I mean there are cases for uh, young players that he's worked with absolutely absolutely but I probably again I just I'm on the fence when it comes to Zidane for right now now just based on the work scope yeah. how i feel about what he does in playing again when i look at that midfield he had i'm sorry but you're, you're not going to get that so even if his yeah. if his game revolves around a lot of control and whatnot with these guys and whatnot it's completely different so i just i don't know yeah, so, i don't know so it's funny because because, you know, how a player, how a manager's success is actually to his detriment. And we're saying because he succeeded, I, we don't, it's funny to say that. So I'm not saying go all out for Zidane, but if he's the route we're taking, I'm all for it. No issues with it at all. Yeah, 
Yeah. But I won't die on that hail get Zidane over. Exactly. Over yeah. We'll we'll see what comes. Um I just feel like, yeah, I maybe have uh some some doubts there. If he came, would that change if Dushan stays? Trying to read whether or not Dushan stays or not is next to impossible, impossible. I think, at this point. Impossible. Yeah, it's yeah. it's impossible at this point. Nobody really knows and nobody's getting anything. This one, it is what it is, everybody. We just have to wait and see, but I don't I, I don't know. I, I really don't know because you're hearing a lot of uh, you're hearing a lot of things like Dushan's fine. He's happy. Juventus Juventus don't want to sell him, which I believe is true. But if a big offer comes in, I can almost I feel like 90 percent confident Juventus will sell if a big offer comes in. But again, it's all speculation. But trying to read whether he stays or not and if the coach depends on it. I hypothetically speaking, if I had to answer this, I don't think Zidane would be the be all end all to make him stay, to be honest. Um I think he does. I, I think young players are are intrigued by him because he he's still talked about as one of the greatest ever and he's just, you know, retired <laughs> fairly recently. And I think that the players like it. Players want to be managed by someone they adored or grew up watching. Um so yeah, it might work. Uh, it play, it might, but I think guys. European play, what happens there is a bigger variable than the coach that comes in for me, for Vlaovic. Because yeah. yeah. if Vlaovic gets an offer from a big team with an established project that is playing in Champions League football, I don't think if Zidane walks in, all of a sudden that changes his mind. That's just me. That's just me. Yeah, and it could, you know, if Byron come knocking for Dushan, Byron know that they get discount when they do transactions with Juve, and uh, they evidently need a striker. That's what our, their recent Champions League match against Sinti showed that they need a striker. If they try to go out, you know, for all the other guys, Osimhen or stuff, that's going to cost them a lot of money. So yeah. I won't be surprised if they go for Dushan because he plays for Juve. Yeah. Um, but I think that if a top tier manager, not top tier, but someone known is coming in, I think he's staying. Regardless, yeah. I, I think he's staying. What will you do with Dushan if he keeps up uh, the terrible record? Will you sell or keep if the price is right? Um, I don't think we should be offering any discounts, and I'm not giving up on him yet. Again, it. <sighs> I sound like a broken record because this thing keeps popping up and it keeps coming up and whatnot. And I'm almost getting to a point where I think we need to just ease up on the Dushan Vlaovic stuff because honestly, nobody's thriving in the offense. Period. Yeah. yeah. So why are we, why do we want to crucify one out of a group that is being outscored by Adrian Rabio that everybody wanted out for three years running? Does that not symbolize a bigger problem with the team? It should. It 100% does. Yeah. 100% does. And I think he needs sort of a reset. Like, he needs this season to end. It's not going well for him this season. It happens. You know, it happens to players where they have just a, an off-season when nothing is working for them, nothing is going well. Tonali's first season at Milan, I mean, they could have discussed selling him. And sometimes there's just... So certain moment in your career where things start picking up. Yeah. And Dushan hasn't hit that yet. I believe he will at some point. I'll tell whether it's I'll, the Uve. This is this is how I truly feel. Okay. And I'll just lay it out this like 
as easy as I possibly can. This is not making excuses for Dushan Vlaovic, okay? Because I think if you look at the first, second half of the season when we picked him up last year to now, drastic, drastic difference in him individually, in how he plays, the swagger he carried, and the strength he was playing with and everything. Big, big difference, okay, to this season. However, any way you slice it, the reason he's under the microscope, the reason he's so, number one is price tag, okay, which, sure, I mean, you want this guy firing, but it doesn't change or mask the fact nobody else offensively is thriving. That includes Chiesa when he's in the lineup, Di Maria, um, Milik, Keane, all of them, period. And the only reason is because he's constantly out there. Milik might give you a little more out of all those guys up top in terms of overall play, but generally speaking, they're all left on an island. We don't attack spaces in order to help. We're, they're not being guide-directed. Like There's a lot of failures along the line that are team-based. And any way you slice it, if you were to play Keen as your number one and move Dusan Vlaovic to third string, does everything change for Juventus? Does Keen go on this? No. No. I fail to believe that. Does Milik go off and whatnot? I fail to believe that. I fail to believe that. Any way you slice it, Adrian Rabio is this team's leading goal scorer. Credit to him, but that's a big, big, massive, massive failure for me for this team. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. But I wouldn't give up on Dushan yet. Just yeah. not yet. If we gave, you know, Rabio the benefit of the doubt for three seasons, not us, but the management and other players are just kept, you know, kept performing badly, but stayed and kept getting minutes. Dushan deserves it too. I hope he'll get it. And, you know, when, when you see our matches, you sometimes understand. You, you see that it's not that his ability is not there. That just there are things that he used to do and was able to do, and he suddenly can't do them. And it doesn't happen to young players. Don't instantly lose their abilities. Yeah. And he can't keep hold of the ball. I mean, he's not doing anything right right now. That's a mental issue. And, again, going back to the price tag. It's the price tag, the weight of it, the expectations around him. No one expects Keane to save the team. Again, though, it shouldn't mask the fact that offensively as a whole, nobody is thriving and there is major, major roadblocks and hurdles there. So whether you put a guy of... That's getting that we're going to pay 30 something million for, 28 million for at the end of the season, Keen. Or you put a guy that we spent 70 on, it just makes it acceptable in terms of, okay, we don't, we don't expect this guy to bang goals every game, but it shouldn't take away the fact that neither one barely gets opportunities to do so. That's the yeah, point. It, I mean, look at Ossiman. Ossiman had to. Not so good seasons. If you look at these numbers, they're pretty similar to Vlahovic in the first two seasons. A lot of injuries, but suddenly it picked up in his third season. Sometimes you got to be patient, but 
it doesn't always work and we I believe we still need to be patient with Dushan mainly because like you said the problem is all of our attack it's not that they're putting Dushan on you know a must score going uh, scoring opportunities all the time and he just misses he barely gets a shot on goal in one in any game yeah yeah yesterday two opportunities the one that quadrado ripped at him short uh, distance whatever the other one another cross in i believe from Moretti. he shot it it got blocked by defender that's all i can think of yeah that's all i could think of for duchamp oh, like it is what it is again there's things that can help him get involved help the team offensively general i think it goes far beyond the players one more quick one two more quick ones who is your replacement for sandro no cambiaso i'm happy with grimaldo omer oh 100 grimaldo free yeah and experienced no problem on a free makes sense for juve we have to work smart the mercado is going to be uh soft so i like that one would you start the trident case of Laovic and Di Maria against Napoli? No, probably not because both Di Maria and Chiesa played the entire match yesterday and it's a Thursday game and then we're playing again on Sunday. That's too close to each other to try that out again and expect that they'll have the same energy and you know, can perform to that level. Uh, so no, I would revert back to three five two, and one of them paired with Dusan Milik, whoever. I would, I would go with the Trident again, but I think one of them has to be uh, rested. <clears throat> I'm kind of leaning. Yeah. It depends on who's fit more. If I had the option. I might not start Di Maria against Napoli, and I might go Kostic, Vlaovic, Chiesa, to be honest. Yeah, that's that's reasonable. And also, we always talk about wanting someone off the bench, but I said it earlier, if they're coming off the bench to defend the last 20 minutes, then I don't need Chiesa in there, coming on as a sub. If that's our game plan, then, I don't know, start him. If we and are I aiming the... to get more goals, yeah, rest someone and, th- and give them a chance. Yeah, and I think the thing with uh, the Trident is I would follow up despite some issues. The big thing is Bremer. If Bremer is out, I might lean towards the three-man back with him not there. But I would like to play 4-3-3 against Napoli. Despite what I know about the shortcomings at fullbacks, I would like to play them that way because the only way to hurt them is to go at them. And, but then again, it comes down to attitude and approach because even if you're set up in a four, three, three, if you're dropping too far back, it's, it's not going to bode well. So, and Milan showed that they're not unbeatable. They're not unbeatable. You can't defeat them. Milan had the right, tactics of defending they had a good player can take them forward and the right attitude they all fought to the last minute in every match they didn't do so in the league but when it mattered they did and that's what i need from juve to win leave everything else aside it's all in your head all yeah. in the players heads
going to be interesting to see. Big, big one on Sunday. And, uh, hey, let's start getting ready for the semifinals Europa League and see if this team can take that next step. We just keep waiting and waiting. Like I said, it doesn't take much for an offense to start gelling, clicking, and then firing from there. We just have to wait and see and see if they can pull it together, all right? But uh, Sunday's the big one, Napoli. I've got a fun uh, little podcast I'll be doing with uh, Justin from Bianconeri Zone. We're going to be doing that on Saturday. Again, for those of you who haven't checked out the latest interview with Roberto Betega, check that out. There's a ton coming up. And what do we got? We got, like, without ruining it for everybody because, you know, surprises are always nice, but there is... Three that were involved in the 1996 Champions League winning team. One as a player. All right. One as a player. There is a man who played his last season with Juventus, I believe, was 2019. Okay. That's on deck as well. So we got a lot of good, good stuff coming. All right, everybody. Big shout out to the Juventus official fan clubs of North America for helping us put all of that together, trying to bring all of you as close uh, to this Juventus club as uh, ever through the AJC in our partnership. If there's a fan club near you, uh, I highly, highly recommend joining up. I'm going to be posting uh, through, if you follow us on Twitter and Instagram whatnot, we are sharing where the watch parties are taking place. Great, great stuff. Check it out. Join it up. There's a lot of perks to being a fan club member. And, of course, the watch parties are great. Everybody, enjoy your weekends. We're going to be back Sunday live, 8.30 a.m. Eastern time, getting ready for the big match against Napoli. I will be bringing you a live watch along, all right? So there you have it, everybody. We've wrapped up uh, Sporting and Juve. What was all the news tackling today? As always, this season... One step and one day at a time. Omar, absolute pleasure tackling it all with you. Everybody, again, enjoy your weekends. We'll see you on Sunday for the big one. As always, fino alla fine, forza Juve, ciao tutti. Yeah.